Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a sports bar we love. If you listen to this pod, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans makes that experience even better. Obviously, catching a game at the house on your own is fine. I've done it for decades, but watching a game in a spot that lets you scream and cheer and just generally lose your shit with other Dub Nation fans is way more fun. COVID took that from us for a while, but the ACO is giving it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, not just the parking spots in front. Their entire side street created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge TVs, and their full complement of great service, food, and drinks. It's big. It's comfortable. It's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes, the NFL playoffs, or really any other sport with other fans while still Staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. I even love that it's pretty family friendly. I can roll here with friends and get too fired up, or I can go with my wife and kid and simply enjoy a game while also having brunch. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. We're in. Corey's huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my boy, producer, and victim of just a tragic Tylenol addiction, MT. <laughs> What's up, Dev Nation? <laughs> and joining us for usual, our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Gentlemen, after just way too long. I mean, I use that phrase almost every single podcast, but really mean it here after far too long of a break rejoining us. The Golden State beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who covers every single Warriors practice, press conference, shoot, around, and game. And honestly, one of my favorite guests on this show, Mr. Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor? Hey, been way too long. I miss you guys. Ah, we miss you. Um, exciting show. And so let me just get three thoughts out of my head right off the top here. They all have to do with the video. Thought number one, Connor, be honest with me. I need a haircut. Everyone can see that. I tried to mask it by wearing these headphones. Do the headphones actually mask it? Or when you first saw me, did you think to yourself, fucking ridiculous, it looks like an animal's on his head? Um, I think I. <laughs> you definitely do need a haircut, but I'm empathetic because I, I was in the same boat like a few days ago. And uh, to the point where my girlfriend was literally like, if you don't get a haircut, like, <sighs> like there's going to be problems. So um, I, <laughs> I'm empathetic. My wife says, if you like those, those those Lego characters that are out there and you can literally snap off their hair and then snap them back on. And she says, my hair looks like a Lego Afro that you could like <laughs> take it off, put it right back on. Visual thought number two, again, back to you, Connor. When you see the dope as fuck backgrounds that both Maxime and Marcus have, and then just my regular ass brick background, I, I, does it stick out? Oh, I mean, it, it... I also don't have a background, and um, I'm definitely envious uh, because both of them have dope backgrounds. Uh, GP2 and Kaminga, who are represented in their res- respective backgrounds, I think are two of my favorite players I've ever covered. So um, good, good choice, guys. Last question, probably the most important I'm going to ask today, and Connor, this one's not to you, unfortunately. Maxine, Marcus. Spool's wearing a Yale sweatshirt. I think you guys may have noticed that. I know for a fact he did not go to Yale. How do we feel about this move? Like, are you allowed to just throw on a sweatshirt? I'm like, if it was like a sports team, because I'm sure he doesn't give a fuck about the Yale sports program. So to wear an Ivy League shirt, you don't care about the sports program. Are we a fan of this? Are we giving him shit? Like, where where do we stand on this move? I Look, I grew up with a bunch of, because I grew up in the Bay Area, right, with a bunch of people whose parents went to Cal. And that's like a common culture for people to wear their parents' uh, alma maters. So I feel like in this situation, you know, Connor let us know that his dad went there. And I think that gives you the pass. If it's like a random school, I don't know so much about that. 
I'm telling you, you know, what's funny though is my dad doesn't own any Yale stuff because he thinks it's uh, pretentious and <laughs> egotistical to walk around in a Yale thing. So maybe, but so maybe I should take a. Yeah, you're not helping me here, Connor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretentious if you're just supporting a family member. Yeah, I, I love that. Some point, little Connor came up to Mr. Letourneau. Was like, Dad, I noticed that you never wear Yale stuff. And his dad was like, yeah, a little pretentious. I don't like to do that. And then little Connor thought to himself, I'm buying a Yale special. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck <laughs> you guys. All right, let's jump in. Actually, I'm really excited for today. It's not just a throwaway. Um, we are going to be going back to two segments we have not done forever. And I miss them and I love them. And then also, today's episode is going to feature perhaps the most immature, possibly revealing question we have ever had. So I'll leave that as a tease. I'm not going to throw it to you boys quite yet. Instead, let's go to one of those topics we haven't done for a while. The off the court report. So if you are new to this show, not an in particularly hard thing to understand. Um, we talk about all things that go on on the floor. We pay attention to every whistle, every shot, every ball. But Connor has an opportunity that a lot of us don't. Uh, his job, his role with the team allows him to watch these guys off the floor. So for the off the court report, I shut up and we just get stories from Connor. One last kind of setup. Connor has teased me over the last few weeks that he actually has a pretty good one. We've, we've texted about it. We've talked about it. So I'm fired up to hear it. Enough setup. Connor, what do you got? Yeah. So um, I uh, am not the full time beat writer at the moment, but I am on the majority of road trips and a few weeks ago I was in Denver and that was when the Denver game was postponed. And the, the morning after that postponement, um, they were practicing at the university of Denver and I had a sit down interview set up with Kavon Looney um, because I wanted to do something on uh, how Kavon has kind of turned around his career, ended up finding out that a lot of that stems from some serious stomach issues he had. And he was able to, figure out the root cause of that and, and overhaul his diet, which is part of why he got his career back on track. So I'm sitting down courtside at, at this practice facility, the university of Denver practice facility, talking one-on-one -on -one with Kavon Looney about his gastrointestinal inclinations and why he <laughs> was talking about how constipated he was and how, like he was backed up for over a year and, and like he gained weight and that really affected his play. A lot of people thought it was solely because of the neuropathy, but it was actually because of these gastrointestinal issues he was having. So we're talking pretty in depth about this. All the reasons he got into journalism. Right? We're literally <laughs> two feet away from Clay Thompson, who at this time is about two weeks away from returning to games. Um, and he's got his headband on and he's knocking down uh, jumpers taking uh, corner threes, taking turns with another teammate. And he hears the nature of my conversation with, um, with Kavan and he thinks it's the funniest thing ever. So while he is taking three pointers, he's chiming in on our conversation and making jokes about Kavan Looney's gastrointestinal system, digestive system, joking about how he can't eat cheese anymore. Oh, he's a cheese head. He's from Milwaukee. He can't even eat cheese anymore. <laughs> Swish. You know, he's like, and I'm trying to do this interview, and Clay keeps interrupting every five seconds to, like, talk about how Kwan can't eat cheese. He's making fart noises, hopefully. <laughs> and I'm, like, thinking to myself, this. first of all, this is so Clay. Like, and second of all, um, this is just an absurd situation. Uh, and so I got through the interview, but, uh, you know, when I went back to transcribe it, I just was like, <laughs> I was like debating, like, should I weave in the scene of, 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 of yes. me, like interjecting? <laughs> I ended up not cause it wasn't super relevant to the story, but, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of uh behind the curtains for, for, for the readers out there. I imagine at least like 10, 15 minutes into you asking Kavan about, you know, his stomach problems and Clay making fart noises in the background. You thought to yourself, I did not go to fucking Yale for this. Like, there's no reason for me to have gotten a goddamn education from one of the best institutions. That is uh, that is awesome. How, how is having Clay back in your life? 
You know, I mean, like that story illustrates, like we always hear how he kind of changes the feel both on the floor, off the floor. Perfect example of it. it. Has your professional life changed a little bit with Mr. Thompson back in it? Yeah, you know, obviously we're not around the guys as much as we used to be because we don't have locker room access anymore sure. yeah. because of COVID. But, you know, just seeing him around at practices and on the road and, and you know, at games is is nice. You know, and I – I've always felt like in some ways he's the best quote on the team. He might not be the most loquacious player on the team, the most verbose, but he, he always, everything he says is insightful and genuine. And he often says hilarious things without intending to be hilarious. And uh, you know, I think that two and a half years away from the court definitely made him even more introspective. And there's been a lot of times after games where, where he'll be asked like a pretty generic question and he'll just get pretty introspective about how much the game means to him and how hard it was being away and, and all those things. And so, yeah, it's definitely nice having clay back in our lives. I think, I think he is maybe the single favorite person that I've ever covered in my career, just in terms of who he is as a human being. Um, And I really appreciate him a lot just as a person. So it's been good. MT, Maxi, I, I know Connor well enough. He's enough of a professional. I am positive he kept his shit together. That's happening. He doesn't laugh. You know, he's able to keep eye contact with Kavan. You just get through it. You get the story. Me, I'm giggling almost immediately. I mean, like the, by the second or third cheese comment, I'm definitely laughing and then probably trying to incorporate Clay to make it seem like I'm being professional, even though I'm not. For you guys, do you lose it in that scenario? Like, will you be able to keep your shit together? Or do you think you kind of break the mold a little bit? I break the mold. I lose it. I, I lose it at outtakes of my favorite shows and movies. So if that's real time happening and Clay's being Clay, um, and shout out to the Yale graduate for using loquacious and and, nice. yeah, and yeah, verbose. Nice. I mean, yeah. geez, you sure you didn't go to Yale? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I lose it. Um, I think those, that moment is just too much. And hopefully Kavan understands that I'm still a professional, but I need to laugh at that. I'll tell you, I'm sure that you didn't go to fucking Yale. What do you mean that you start laughing at outtakes? Like they show you like random outtakes at movies and then you just start hilariously laughing. Yeah. You, know, you haven't seen the outtakes? I mean, I'll like a smile. You know what I mean? Like I like, I like, huh, like that's funny, but I definitely don't like laugh out loud that's a weird thing to find you need to watch better movies then the outtakes of rush hour the first movie i was literally outtakes of the office that's literally what i was thinking you're a jackie chan guy i cannot believe this i i legitimately can't believe this i'm afraid to find out with maxime so instead i'm just gonna plow forward i'm not even gonna find out whether or not maxime would laugh shocker the outtakes of lord of the rings aren't hilarious for i mean any outtakes no one should be laughing audibly (laughs) out loud let's go back to warriors boys glass half full idea here is look back to recent warriors basketball give me something you either like or don't like or both i'll start us off with an old one boys you know what i like i like gbtu dunks that are so hard it forces someone to headbutt him i don't think i've ever seen that before in my life someone literally gets so frustrated that they can't control their reactions that they walk up knowing they probably shouldn't headbutt him still decide to headbutt him and gp2 gives so little of a fuck about the headbutt he doesn't even stop scratching his head he continues to talk shit after the headbutt so one of the things i genuinely liked maxine what do you got well, I also loved, just to piggyback on that, I think Jordan Poole came out and was also scratching his head, just like the team camaraderie here is fantastic. And and maybe I'll, I'll take that opportunity to celebrate the bench just continuing in spite of maybe some discomforts among the fan base about Bielitsa's performance overall, just really solid effort. Um, making it so that in some ways, you know, carrying the team uh, while some of our starters are going through intermittent, either uh, not being in the lineup in the case of Draymond or, you know, issues with a shooting stroke or whatnot. Connor, something you like or don't. So mine, my, the things I like and dislike are interrelated. Uh, So the thing I like is I like Jonathan Kaminga. I could just say that every week, but um, I've really liked some things we've seen from him in recent days. Uh, you know, he had a G League game in, in Memphis a couple weeks ago. Um, it was it was in South Haven, Mississippi, which is a suburb of Memphis, and it was the eve of the of the Warrior, of the Golden State game in Memphis. And and Steve Kerr went to the game and and watched the game, and he openly said the day after that game, he did not play hard. 
Um, Kuminga had a really bad game at the G League level. Um, was a non-factor. Was outplayed by Quindary Withers, Weatherspoon and and Moses Moody, and was just not trying really. It was like he was just trying to get like a, a sweat up. And Steve Kerr kind of put him on blast a little bit. And I, from what I've heard, uh, told him privately that's not good enough and uh, showed him film, like actually breaking down why it wasn't good enough. And so did a couple of the assistant coaches. And since then he's been on a tear, you know, he's going a hundred miles per hour every time, every single time he's out there. I think he's understands that he's so gifted physically that if he gives his all every time he's out there, it can make up for maybe some of the, the mistakes he's bound to make as a rookie. And, you know, you saw last night against, we're talking on Wednesday, you saw last night against that Mavericks game. It was largely in garbage time, but man, was he fun to watch. Like uh, 22 points in like 18 or 19 minutes um, had that crazy dunk, which is actually the, the background on, uh, on Marcus's uh, screen right now. Um, And it's just, it's just so exciting that this guy is 19 years old and already, I think proving that he can be a very helpful rotation player in the NBA for a winning team. And the thing I don't like is that he's not a regular part of the rotation. right yes. now. Okay. Um, and Steve did something that I thought was kind of odd in that he came out publicly after Draymond got injured and said, as long as Draymond is yeah. injured, our starting power forward is going to be Jonathan Kaminga. And at the time, everyone took that as like a pretty huge vote of confidence in Kaminga to come out and publicly say that. And then a couple games later, he pulls Kaminga from the starting lineup. Kaminga didn't even do that poorly, but he pulled him because he thought that Otto Porter would was like a better matchup, which, look, that might be fair, but when you're dealing with a 19-year-old, you don't, you don't have a major vote of confidence and then backtrack on that. Yep. You know, they should know that from how they dealt with James Wiseman last season. That was incredibly uh, unhelpful with his development in terms of, you know, telling him – we, we believe in you and then doing things that counteract that. Um, I think that especially at this point in the season, you, you can take a little bit of a flyer on Kaminga, keep him in that starting lineup, play him 25 minutes a night while Draymond's out. And then maybe, you know, those minutes put him in a position where he can be, you know, uh, an end of rotation guy in the playoffs, Give but without line. those minutes, he's not going to be, a factor in the playoffs. So this is a guess, all right? And that's all I'm asking you. Um, I know we don't have a direct quote from Kerr, but give me the why on that. Because the, the thing that frustrated me too was these inconsistent uh, JK minutes. It's exactly what you're talking about. And that Pacer game, he had an unbelievable first quarter. We didn't see him at all in the second half. And this was all after the guarantees that you were talking about, that Kerr said he were going to start him. Um, and then the other backdrop before I ask you why this is happening, the one thing we know Kerr is really good at is managing uh, personalities in the locker room. And that's kind of what we're talking about is keeping this 19 year old involved and knowing, you know, knowing that his personality is, is it catered to as much as they can. So why is this happening? Why would Kerr change this? Why are they messing around with his minutes? Is it what you're just telling us? They I, I, would, the effort? I would have understood if Kerr had said something to that effect. Like he was, he's, he was really inconsistent in the Indiana game and yeah. like need to win these games. But that's not what he said. Right. What he said was it was not any sort of indictment against Kaminga's play, um, that it was just a matchups thing, um, and basically that Porter gave them a better chance to win um, in these matchups. Look, and I understand that, but, I mean, Steve has been in and around the NBA for three-plus decades. He knows as well as anyone that these sort of declarations matter. You know, and if and if in words matter, and so you shouldn't say something like what he said if you're not a hundred percent committed to it. Absolutely, and I'm not trying to be overly critical of Steve. I think he's done a lot of great things this season, but that was an example to me of like him kind of maybe slipping into bad habits a little bit because he made a lot of mistakes along those lines last season with Wiseman, and it sounded like he had learned from them, but. Um, and look, Kaminga's development is going far better than Wiseman's has. Yep. But that was a, an example of, you know, a misstep on on Steve's part. As as a rabid fan 
who is so excited for this guy's future, right? The only thing I've been concerned about is, and we talked about it on this show, is Cade Cunningham get, you know, 30 shots um, and Evan Mobley already being considered a major piece of a contending team. I'm worried about uh, Kaminga's mentality. And I'm hoping that Kerr is the guy to make sure that he knows he's a piece of it. It's this exact disconnect that, I don't know, um, makes me even more worried that Kaminga might be drifting a little bit, that he's not getting the reassurance that we'd like to see from the team. IMT, what do you got, man? Something you like or don't? Um, Let's see. Uh, Dislike uh, will follow in the footsteps of Connor's comments about Otto Porter. I think he's a perfect fit. For the Warriors in the system, and we got him on a veteran's minimum. So looking ahead, I'm just uh, I dislike the fact that it'll be hard for us to keep him around as we try to make this another dynasty run. Um, hopefully we can, but I, I think his his addition has just been perfect for us. Um, he hits timely buckets. He's got great. He's great on defense. Um, he's been healthy for the first time in his career in a long time. So I'm hoping um, we'll find a way to make it work from a cap standpoint but just knowing he's probably played his way into a um, bigger contract than we might be able to support is something I dislike because I I like him as a fit with us Um, something I like is the silver lining of Steph's slump right now Um, he's sub what 38% from three for the month of January which is crazy low for him Um, but I think the silver lining is, you know, the, the law of averages always seem to work themselves out. So, um, if they do in this case too, then that means we're in for a hell of a hot streak. Um, so at some point he will catch fire and he will make up those differences. And hopefully, um, that happens, uh, in April, May, and June when it really matters. Um, and that's when we balance it out. So, um, you know, he, did, he didn't become the best shooter in the world and the all-time three-point leader um, by happenstance. So I think the shot will fall again. I'm hoping he continues to struggle for a little bit longer, and then it just balances out when the basketball matters. I got some Steph follow-up questions for you, Connor. Naturally, I'm going to save them. Instead, I'm going to ask you this. How hilarious do you find Jackie Chan outtakes? I mean, <laughs> have you ever actually laughed out loud at any kind of outtake in any circumstance? Um, no, uh, no, no. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you saying I, that. I always, I always thought Jackie Chan was a little overrated. Chris Tucker made those Rush Hour movies, not Jackie Chan. <laughs> and I mean, does Jackie Chan have some huge reputation? Who are these people who are overrating Jackie Chan outside of Marcus, who's a fucking weirdo? <laughs> and I, I mean, and to be fair, it's, it's the Tylenol talking. I think we all know <laughs> for sure it's not a real thing. Uh, Let's jump in to the next segment I've been really excited for. I have suspended five golden questions, boys, with the exception of one. That's the embarrassing one. I'm still keeping that in pocket. Instead, we're going to be doing over-unders, which is a gambling concept and the perfect way to approach a lot of issues. So over-unders. Vegas has come up with a lot of ways to allow casual fans to bet on things. One of them is the idea of the over-under. What they do is they give you a number and then you bet over under that number. So, you know, will the Warriors score over under 110 points in the next game? And then you bet one way or the other. So for this segment, I will give you boys a number, then you tell me over or under for the concept. Here is our first. The amount of regular season games Draymond Green will play going forward. I put the number at 25. Connor, I want you to go first. Here's where I came up with it for the record. The Warriors have played 48 games, so 34 remain. There's been the suggestion that they're at least going to check in with him for uh, in two weeks, which is another seven games. That brings it down to uh, to about 27. I knocked off two more games, so 25 games going forward. Connor, what do you think? Over, under? Will Draymond play more or less than that? I'm going to go under um, because it does sound like there's real concern around the situation with Draymond. And if there's any concern at all, they're going to be incredibly cautious, uh, especially given we've seen how important over and over again, how important he is to this team. But the past week or so since he's been out, it's been glaringly apparent. And if they have any chance at all to win a title, he has to be not only available, but at peak Draymond. Oh yeah. And so it's all about just getting him to where he needs to be by mid April. I think to, to do that, they're going to end up sacrificing a decent amount of these regular season games. So I'm going to say less. 
Is there anything official? So I mean, here, let me, let me ask it this way. Is there an official diagnosis? I mean, there's an official diagnosis in terms of the, the, what the back issue is um, and the fact that it was related to the calf issue. Um, but we don't have a ton of clarity on, in terms of like the severity because uh, these things are tricky, but what I have heard is that, um, you know, they're, they're going to come out with an update on Sunday, you know, the soonest he could come back would be Sunday. There's no way that he'll be coming back Sunday or probably next week. Um, and it, it could be probably at least a couple more weeks before he's come back, maybe longer. What's the vibe as far as how concerned people are? Um, one of the things I love talking to you about is, and, and you know, guess. We, I don't, we don't, I don't know. know if it's so much like concern as it is like uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like we don't really know. Like this could not be super serious. It could be more serious than we want it to be. But we don't really fully know. So I don't, I, I haven't. Any, I haven't talked to anyone who's freaking out or anything, um, but they're, they still have questions that need to be answered. And the, they haven't been answered yet. So. What I'm pulling from between the lines, and that's all it is, I have no inside information, is that they are worried, but they're all positive he's coming back this year. And this it's all about the playoffs anyway, so let's be as cautious I mean, as we can the be. Day, they did so well in the first half of the season that they could, you know, lose a decent amount more games slide to like three in the West. And if you have a healthy, healthy Draymond, it doesn't really matter. You know, if you you had to bet something that means something to you, mortgage payment, whatever it is, do you think that golden state will have a healthy Draymond green come April? Um, Yes, I do. I do think they will. Uh, Maxine Marcus. So I, I, I hope the exact same. There's no reason for pessimism. You know, it's not chicken little. The sky is not falling. But just to underline how important this guy is, let me ask you this. Assume Draymond doesn't come back. He's coming back. All right. It is coming back. That's not what I'm saying. He's fucking coming back. But assume he doesn't come back. What's the ceiling for this team? How far does this team go in the playoffs without Draymond Green? I think we're seeing it right now. I, you know, ceiling would be second round and i think it would not be surprising if they go out in the first round of the playoffs uh, i i agree i say i think they can still win a first round matchup especially with the seeding they're probably going to be able to afford themselves but i don't think they get out of the second MT, do you agree yeah i think it depends on the matchup um but i would cap it at a second round um it just it's different basketball um you know for the playoffs and it plays into Draymond's favor so um you know we need him there and I'm surprised to hear you say that I mean last week you were you were trading him you and Joe were were all on board for trading Draymond I mean talk about a bastardized bullshit version of what we were saying just factually inaccurate it's this drug problem if it continues to affect your memory (laughs) I'm gonna have to talk to somebody I'm telling you that right now dude and it's for your good if we have to have an intervention on this show I will do it I think you just take off your hat and be honest with us it's a Lego piece I'll have you know I mean this guy gets one fancy background and suddenly he knows everything about hairstyle styles nobody <laughs> wants your stupid opinion let's move on to another over under voice and it uh dovetails into what marcus was apparently saying was a good thing about steph curry's slump so the number is 37 let me explain it over his career steph curry has shot 42 percent from three this year not just in january this year he has shot 37 percent from three over under going forward in fact i'm going to kick up that number from today boys over under 40 percent will steph shoot over or under 40 percent from three connor start us off i think so yes um because he's well below that number right now um his career is well above that so as marcus was alluding to earlier the law of averages have to even out at some point and uh so i i do expect him to shoot over 40 percent the rest of the season um his numbers still wouldn't be that close to 40 but um they would be palatable because right now his season averages his season efficiency numbers are not even palatable by his standards any idea of what the fuck's going on i mean do you uh kerr has basically said this is a temporary case of being human you know the warriors twitter which is the most reactionary place i've ever seen in my life 
there are members of that saying, oh, the decline has already set in. We got to worry about Steph's career going forward. So just from the outside, I mean, what, what are you picking up? Well, I think, think I think the timing has not been beneficial for the Warriors in the sense that I think he was going through like a 15 to 18 game shooting slump. And then Draymond got injured. And I think I think the previous shooting slump could be just attributed to, you know, a natural slump in the season. This is often where he kind of struggles in the season. These are the quote unquote dog days for a reason. And I think I think he was kind of feeling the fatigue both mentally and physically. Um, but had Draymond stayed healthy, I think he would have gotten out of it a little bit sooner in a real way. But Draymond is so critical in in terms of how Steph plays. Like no one knows how to find Steph the way that Draymond does. The thing about Draymond that I think might be his biggest his biggest asset for the Warriors, and I, this might even go beyond his defense, which is saying a lot. But he is almost single-handedly responsible for getting the Warriors into their signature offensive flow. Like, it does not exist without him out there. And that is why they have looked so marginal in recent recent days with him out. Is like they look human because that flow and that X factor is just not there. And Steph subsists on that, that his game is predicated on that. You talk to NBA fans, people just like the NBA, they can all tell you Draymond's a hell of a defensive player. You talk to Warrior fans, you know, people who like the Warriors but aren't necessarily obsessed with them, they'll tell you that Draymond is the heart and soul of the team. Both of those are true. You talk to people who are obsessed with the Golden State Warriors, who are spending far too much time watching them and breaking shit down, they'll tell you he's the key to the fucking offense. And it's no. exactly what you were just saying. He – he um, dictates pace. He's the quarterback of that offense the same way he is of the defense. And so missing him absolutely would impact Steph. Um, Maxime, Marcus, I want to talk about Steph, but I want to shift it a little bit. And to do that, Maxime, play that quote for us. Let me set it up. So during the slump, I think it was Slater. I'm sure you were here for this. They asked Steph about what could be going on. Is there something happening with his hand or something else? Here was the back and forth. Do you feel anything mechanically is up, or I mean, do you uh, just what do you feel about your shot right now? Who gives a damn about excuses? I mean, anything that anybody wants to hear about why you either make shots or you miss shots. So, you gotta stop making some shots. Do you feel there is, even if you're not gonna reveal them, reasons behind it? No. <laughs> okay. How your hands feel? By the way, I don't think we've asked. I'm still attached to my body, and I'm still getting, up, <laughs> still getting up plenty of attempts. So, If you didn't get a chance to actually watch that video, just a couple of points I want to make. One, when he says, you know, are there any anything else going out there? Do you want to tell us about anything? He smiles slightly when he says no, um, and he says it almost fucking defiantly. And then that's the only detail I'll add, and it leads to this question. Oversimplification. Absolute oversimplification. I understand it, but that's all I'm capable of. Of the two things he was communicating in that statement, one saying, look, there's nothing going on. I just got to get through this, you know, which was the actual, if, if you printed out what he said and read it with no vocal inflection, that's essentially what he's saying. Or he's saying with his vocal inflection, there's something going on, but I'm not going to fucking share it. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm still just going to get through this. So of those two options, hearing that quote, what did you guys hear? You know, what, what do you pull from that? Yeah, I, I think right, there's a lot to be said for um, everything that Connor just put out. To me, I, I sort of synthesize as the same thing that, quite frankly, is happening way off the basketball court, which is that we're in like year two and a half uh, or what, almost year three of a pandemic. Um, it's affecting all of us. You know, people are quitting their jobs at massive rates. You're hearing about people in the NBA that are NBA lifers that love this game, that are exhausted, that are taking time off, right? You know, front office people and, and coaches and whatnot. And and there's no doubt that that's going to be affecting people on the floor, right? And then you you change up some of Steph's routines and minutes. You know, the people that say like, oh, you know, his hands, right? He hurt his hand and he's like, he's too bulky or whatever, right? The beginning of the season was fantastic. So I don't think there's any indication that he's too bulky or that it's anything with his game. I think it's it's the combination of fatigue of not just a normal NBA season, which, by the way, we haven't had in a while, right? It, this, is, this is a return to normalcy uh, that has not been normal for the past two years. 
And so it's still not normal. He's got three kids at home. Who knows if they've been dealing with COVID? We have, you know, you hear about his kids are at the age where they're unable to get vaccinated uh, because that vaccine is not available for kids under the age of 12. It's something that he's probably dealing with a ton of shit at home. And of course, that's going to affect your on-court performance. It affects my performance at my job, and I don't even have kids. So I think there's, you know, there's tons of reasons to hear that, those inflections in his voice and say, yeah, there's stuff happening. You know, he's pretty private. He's not going to share a lot of stuff about his personal life. But I think you give him the benefit of the doubt, especially, like I said, with his performance being so exemplary at the beginning of the season. Well, the thing, the thing about Steph is he's always dealing with as you alluded to, he's always dealing with a lot of things off the court, but he's also always dealing with a lot of things on the court. I mean, the way defenses play him, they're so physical with him. He's always got some sort of minor nagging injury that isn't out there publicly. Like mm-hmm. he always has things bothering him physically um, that might come out way after the fact. Um, and I, I read the quote to, to mean to allude to something like that, which is, yeah, I'm dealing with stuff physically that's making it harder for yep. me to knock down shots. Yep. But at the end of the day, I'm supposed to be the greatest shooter of all time, and it shouldn't matter. That's I, that's I, how I, I read it. I read I it the same. Think, I don't want to speculate too much, and I don't think it's anything major. I just think that he's he's got stuff going on that he often has stuff that he often has going on. And but one thing that is interesting being around the team a little bit more is there seems to be a concern level with this that I haven't seen with a Steph shooting slump. Hmm. You know, this is, it seems like it's starting to get to the point where you mean from the team, not from, not from reactionary yeah, Twitter, like, you mean inside the organization. Like people within the organization are like, okay, now like what's wrong though? Like this mm-hmm. is weird. Like Steph has never had this long of a shooting slump ever. I tell you, the only time I was worried at all, at all, and I'm still not really, I, I think, I, I believe that we're allowed to be human. He's being human. We'll be fine. But Stan Van Gundy called it out last night. There was, I mean, Steph got it going a little bit kind of early, you know, and he was feeling himself. And, and we saw him test out a long three that got blocked, I think, in the second quarter. And the only reason it got blocked, and Van Gundy pointed out, is he hesitated for half a second. And it's the kind of shot I've never seen him fucking hesitate on. I've seen him miss it. You know, I mean, who gives a shit? Of course, that's part of it. But I've never seen him think twice. And there could have been a million reasons. Maybe he thought twice because he saw somebody cut into the hole and he thought about Pat. You know, it wasn't necessarily a confidence thing, but it did stick out to me. And I hope to God that that doesn't become a consistent deal, you know, because his confidence more so than his stroke is what makes Steph Curry Steph Curry. Marcus, you really aren't worried. I mean, you you went to the point in the glass half full to say the thing you like is the slump. Are you are you just being you know cautiously optimistic? Are you trying to like reverse jinx this thing, or is that really true? Do you really think this is no? You know, this is going to be good because a a avalanche of made shots is coming. Yeah, there's admittedly a healthy amount of. Um reverse jinx optimism going on there but um i do believe in the law of averages and think that that will prevail um but i think it's it's what maxime and and connor were alluding to as well that it's just that kind of the perfect storm of on the court distractions as well um you know you had the the emotional roller coaster of breaking three-point record and chasing it you have clay coming back you have his rotations um himself as a player have been different this this season um, he says that it's not a big deal and Kerr says he's sticking with it, but you know, routines matter, uh, especially for players when they start to get in their own head. So, um, I think all of that just kind of adds up to him being in this slump and him being in his head about that shot and causing that hesitation for that long three that you spoke about, Bram. So, um, you know, is it concerning it? Yes, but. Uh, one of the other reasons why I think he's not pressing as hard is he's been in these slumps and we've still been winning some of these games. So last year or in two years ago, if he's in a slump, then we get blown out by 30. Um, Some of these games he's in a slump and we still scrape out a win. Uh, So, you know, if, if Jordan Poole or Otto Porter catch fire and Jonathan Kaminga, you know, script, puts together a nice game 
we find a way to win and Steph's slump is just a, a footnote and it's like, oh, he had another bad night, but the Warriors still eke out a victory. So it's a little different. Um, and that that um, lack of extra pressure for him to carry the team is probably good in the long run, but I don't think it helps his slump end any sooner. I mean, he got a win. They were up by fucking 40 occasionally last night against Dallas. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like real deal. I mean, they, they, they have shown that they can be an elite team occasionally, but I don't think they can be that team in the playoffs without him. All right. Um, Connor, you'll be happy to hear. I have a bunch of Jonathan Kaminga questions that are coming, but I've waited long enough, dude. I got to get this one off my sheet. So here is the remarkably immature question. All right. And I wasn't going to do the golden questions and shit, but this one made me laugh out loud when I read it. And I was like, fuck it. We got to do it. So here it is. Quote, if you guys are in an elevator and fart while other people are in there, what's your approach to this scenario? Now here's what spoke to me. All right. Do not answer me yet. I want to do a judgment theater. I want to guess how each of you will deal with this because I actually think it's kind of a revealing deal. I think it kind of shows a little bit about your personality. So I'll be honest with you guys. You can go with me first. I'll start with this honest thing. I've definitely farted in an elevator before with other people in there. So if that's me, other people are in there. I've just dropped terrible ass into the air. It's getting uncomfortable. What do I do? What's your guys guess? I think you uh, say nothing. And you just stand there awkwardly and pray to God that you can get to your floor ASAP. Okay. Uh, Marcus, what's your guess? I think you blame it on the person closest to you, and that could even be a small child or baby. Maxime? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Connor, and I think if somebody makes eye contact with you, you sort of like give them a silent like, Phew, I know, right? But you don't actually say anything. So the truth is kind of a combination between what Marcus and Maxime. So what I do is lie, lie just fucking straight out, but in like a really scandalous fashion. So I'll wait for a minute. I don't do anything. Wait till I'm positive that everyone smelled. And then I start being hella angry about the smell. Like, ugh, like really dude, like don't say anything, but like exhale, like, ugh. Maybe like look behind me like you dirty motherfuckers. And I feel like if I engender enough anger, everyone's like, well, that can't be that dude. You know, like he's clearly pissed off at whoever it is. So I I just get fired up and then try to uh, knock people off the set. Let's go to Connor. And I'm, I'm excited for this one. I do have a guess. Connor has such an aggressive relationship with the truth. Like he is a upfront dude. He just is. You know, I, I think that's true in all aspects of his life. So I think if he farts on the first floor, before they get to the second floor, he's turning around, making earnest eye contact with people and be like, sorry, my stomach got a little messed up. I'm sorry for that. And then we just, you know, whatever it is, he stays in that silence for the next five floors and gets off after having been completely honest with him. I think that's, I think he just puts it on the table, no humor, just straightforward. It is what it is. I'm going to go with, he doesn't even acknowledge it with words. He just confidently and casually does the little leg lift and lets you know like that was oh, wow. me and just continues to craft an amazing tweet that he has to get out in That's time for a first story. If you do that, you're a disgusting motherfucker. You're worse than me. <laughs> if you're lifting your leg, that's hell of aggressive. Like I don't care about anybody in this elevator. I will shit right in your face. Maxine, what's your guess? Uh, I, I do think that Connor also acknowledges it right up front, but I think only if pressed, right? Like there has to be some indication either like it's clearly way too smelly and people know it or somebody has said, hey, who actually ripped one? Connor, what's the truth? I actually was in this situation recently. <laughs> that was you in that elevator? <laughs> it was It was not an elevator, but it was a small room. And uh I what I how basically how I handled it was I uh, I let other people's reactions dictate the situation. <laughs> I told myself, okay, if if people are noticing it and vocalizing it, I will cop to it. But until then, I'm not going to do anything. And so uh, in that situation, I think everyone knew that it came from me, and they just didn't say anything. Um, chose not to say anything yeah. probably to be nice to me definitely uh, nice to you. and i appreciate that and it was never acknowledged um so i would try to go that route if i was in the elevator situation but if it became clear that everyone's having a hard time with the smell and the truth is everyone would know where it came from <laughs> oh they always know where it comes unless you pull I, would, I would not utter any words but i would kind of do like a facial expression that's like 
Yeah. Ah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry my, about that. Yeah. My B. You may have I, noticed it, me it, raising it, my leg. One thing I have going for me is I have an incredibly high tolerance for embarrassment. <laughs> I think it's me, my mother's son. Okay. There you go. Um, so I can handle embarrassment. Let's go to Marcus because I think he's on the other side of that angle. So my guess on Marcus, having talked to him about embarrassing moments on this, and he seemingly never has one, is I feel like he's convinced himself that these embarrassing things that have happened are not embarrassing. So my version of this is Marcus farts on the first floor. By the third floor, he's convinced himself it isn't him. Like he's literally like, oh, it just smells in here. And I'm not sure who it is. And by the seventh floor, he's angry at everybody else. So he knows it's him hides it, shifts blame, then believes the lie. That's where I think Marcus goes with this. Wow, I wouldn't even take it one step further. I think that Marcus has literally never farted in public. <laughs> well, he'll tell us that. That's going to be his fucking answer. But <laughs> Marcus, and that's only because he's convinced other has never heard him fart. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but she keeps thinking to herself, why the fuck does he keep lifting his leg? It's like, that's <laughs> hella weird, dude. That's a weird fucking move. All right, the answer is, yeah, I... Would Never definitely mind. pretend like it didn't happen. And then if there was reaction, I would just get off a floor early. <laughs> <laughs> just to get out of the situation. Because the bar is so low, I don't like embarrassment or that kind of conflict. I just remove you, myself. Why you pick your floor. Oh, yeah. No, he's going to have to press the button. That doesn't matter. <laughs> he's going to have to press the button early, you know? But it's just like, fuck it. doesn't matter here. at all. At that point, they're so in, enthralled by the smell that I just get <laughs> off the floor early and they're like, that's probably the right thing to do, no matter they're, what. <laughs> they're initially happy until they realize that fart is still in that elevator as they go up. <laughs> you know, the only person who's not there is the person who fucking dropped it. I also like the idea of you getting off the elevator and there's a crowd of people there and you immediately press the up button again. Like, oh, hey, I'm only here for a second. You know, see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that leaves Maxime. Here's my guess for him. I feel like Maxime is aggressively and sarcastically honest about it. Like, like he gets kind of nervous about it. Like he farts, everybody smells it. He turns around, he's like, look, dude, I'm on my way to a job interview. I'm kind of nervous. My stomach's fucked up. I don't, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Hopefully it's not that bad. Like talks through it, talks through it, talks through it. Then the door opens and he gets the fuck out of there. I think I think that's how it goes. It's it's nervous talking until the, uh, the circumstance is done. Also, as our resident body police expert, I do have to say, Connor, no fucking yawning, dude. This is a great question. What are you doing yawning during this segment, man? You're breaking my heart. I cannot believe this. I apologize. I apologize. Oh, I hate it. when people do that, so I do not. I do not blame you for yelling at me. No, I don't think there's anybody who's super fired up when the person they're talking to starts to yawn on a video conversation. I don't think that that's something that happens. Uh, what's your guess on Maxime? It's on you. Um, Maxime, I think, would totally cop to it right away, and almost like advertise it broadcast it yeah that was me <laughs> i did that you got a problem with it i'm like kevon looney like I've, I've got cheese problems it stems from my neuropathy but <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was a calf issue <laughs> what's the answer uh, yeah i i like to believe that my shit don't stink you know what i'm saying I, it's like I, you are blessed to be on this elevator with my farts <laughs> I want the so real like, answer, dude. What do you do? Do you do you cop to it? Do you say something? Do you just get that? Do you pretend like it didn't happen? What's your move? Yeah, no, I, I pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah, I'm I, next I, like, you know, it, if you're actually in that situation, the amount of pressure needed to get anybody to cop to it, you know, because it's like the if you smelt it, dealt it thing, right? Like we've all been elementary school students, you know, so as soon as somebody turns around and says like, okay, who farted? It's an admission of guilt. Doesn't matter if you farted or not, right? So like to, to get to a point where I have to admit it is so unlikely that, yeah, I'm just going to sit there and like at least enjoy the experience for as long as it lasts. I don't accept he who smelt it dealt it as written law. So if someone is like, I smell that, I'm not sure it's definitely them. But to put a bow on this conversation, Marcus, you win, dude. I didn't even like the idea of <laughs> I'm just leaving. Never can I 100% never consider that. I believe you that you would do it. And you are the winner of this segment. Back to our final over-unders. It's going to be a series of questions. Give me quick answers, boys. They all have to do with Jonathan Kamenga. So we've talked about that he's been jerked around on his minutes a little bit. We've had some issues with uh, with effort, right? And so all of these have to do with the distinction between regular season and playoffs, and they all have to do with minutes and points. Here's our first. The most minutes Jonathan Kaminga will play during a regular season game 
Right now, the most he's played is 26 minutes. I put the number at 26.5. Connor, over, under, will during the regular season, Jonathan Kaminga play more than 26.5 minutes in a game? I think that I'm going to say over because I think there's going to there's there's going to be like another game akin to that Toronto game yeah. where you know all the key guys are sitting and they just want to give him run and I think given what they've seen from him since that Toronto game they'll be more apt to play him big minutes you know um play him 30 30 plus minutes and uh actually expect him to help you know rather than just putting up numbers I take the over as well. Marcus, Maxime, no analysis, just over, under. What do you think? Over. I got over as well. <laughs> Same idea. Minutes, all right, but no longer in the regular season. Now we are in the playoffs. The Warriors make the playoffs. Kuminga has the benefit of all this experience. The new number, 19.5, will crescendo to you, Connor. Boys, do you think Jonathan Kuminga will play 20 minutes in a playoff game? Marcus, start us off. I go under. Um, I think our team is too deep with veterans um, and rotations get shorter for playoffs anyway. Um, and I just, I think he needs to sit and learn um, and not on the court. Maxine, 19.5. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I take the under. I think he's young, you know, and what we've seen is that he's a great athlete, but maybe he hasn't totally got the basketball IQ figured out yet. And that's fine. He's 19. But I think that means that the, when the rotations get shorter, they're not going to rely on him as much. Connor, what's the actual answer? Over under 19.5 in the playoffs. Definitely under, uh, way under. Um, I did something on this a few days ago. Steve, in the regular season, played uh, like an 11-man rotation, sometimes as many as 12 guys. And this team is super loaded, especially when they're fully healthy. You have more than 12 guys who can help an NBA, NBA team. Yep. Um, but in the playoffs, historically, he'll he'll shorten it down to eight guys, eight or nine guys. And if you look at who's on this roster, you have well more than nine guys who are good NBA players. Yep. And um, I think it's going to be really hard for Steve to keep it to eight or nine guys. And mm. Uh, but I do think he's going to try to do that. And I think there's several guys who are in that debate who are maybe a little ahead of Jonathan Kaminga um, who probably won't play significant minutes in the playoffs. I think there's a real possibility where Jonathan Kaminga doesn't play in the playoffs at wow. all. So if uh, I put it over under five. He's not going to be in the rotation. And if they're, all the games are close, this, there's no need to play him. Um, and you look at the rotation, you obviously have all the starters, right? And then you have, um, I think you need to play Andre Iguodala in the playoffs because that's really why you signed him. So yep. you're up to six. Then you need to play, um, you know, you need to play Jordan Poole, obviously. Yep. You know, he's the sixth man. Yep. You need to play Otto Porter Jr. Otto Porter Jr. I think he's shown enough both offensively and defensively to warrant a spot. Then you're up to eight already. Yep. Um, and I think that Gary Payton the second deserves the ninth spot. Yep. Gary Payton the second and Otto Porter can kind of share the eighth and ninth spots. Um, but yeah, I mean like JTA, um, Damian Lee, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, obviously Moses Moody. Uh, yeah, Lisa. yeah. None of these guys are going to really be playing. Yeah. Wiseman will be back. Wiseman will be back and not be playing. Um, over under February 14th for Wiseman's return, Connor. Take the over or the under? Oh, definitely over. Yeah, he he won't he won't come back till well after the All Star break. Ouch. Okay, back to Kaminga, and I've got Wiseman questions. I'm going to keep in pocket. I got a whole Wiseman episode coming. Um, same structure, although I think we have the answers already. But I'm going to points. Regular season points right now as high as 25. Over under for the regular season, 25 points. Connor, what do you think? This is Kaminga. Um. I mean, he had 22 in, like, garbage time last yep. night. So Less than 18 minutes. Yep. I, I think there's a world where he has a 30-piece a yep. uh, this season. I think I think he's kind of steadily building toward that, and I think they're going to give him, you know, some significant run on multiple occasions, in part because he, they know he won't play in the playoffs. So you might as well just, like, get him as many reps in games that matter as possible. And I, yeah, I think, I think he's, I think he could drop a 30. So I'm going to say over. 
Maxime, Marcus, really this question, if restated, is do you believe Connor? But I'm going to put it a different way, all right? In the playoffs, I put the number at 15. Will uh, Kuminga ever score more than 15 points during a playoff game? This season? No. He won't have enough time to do it. He won't even be in the rotation. (laughs) So the answer is yes, I do believe in Connor. (laughs) Maxime, do you as well? Of course. I can't go against Connor. Yeah, I mean, the guy went to fucking Yale, dude. So (laughs) now is not the time to question this man's credentials. Last Kuminga question. Is this the most entertaining rookie we have ever had in the Bay Area? Because I I tried to think this out. I was texting with Bonte about this last night. Bonte Um, would be a good person to ask that to. So I did it. And we, we, we didn't, there wasn't like a definitive response, really, right? Like there's people before me, like Jerry Rice probably had an unbelievable rookie season, but I don't remember shit about that. You know, like for the Warriors, Gilbert Arenas had an exciting season, but that was more because we expected nothing and he kind of went crazy towards the back half of it. Um, Anthony Randolph had me excited, but you know, like different kind of level. I mean, all of these things were like maybes. They weren't the kind of hopeful guarantee that Kaminga seems to be. So I can't come up with anybody. I, I think he might be the best rookie, the most promising rookie in all of Bay Area team sports, but I'm, I'm open-eared. Can you guys think of anybody? I, I know there's been some giants who had really good rookie years um, and things like that, but the, the question, the key word in that question was excitement. Yep. And it's not, is he the best rookie in Bay Area history? It's, is he the most exciting? Yep. I, I'd be, I'd be hard pressed to think of someone who is more exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm not from the Bay. I don't have the institutional knowledge when it comes to that, but I definitely feel confident enough in my Warriors history to say that he's the most exciting rookie the Warriors have had in the modern NBA history. Um, I mean, he's a guy like, you know, last night it was a blowout game and everyone stayed in their seats just to watch it. That's exactly right. And like, that, that was true. It was, it was a weeknight. People had to go home and get ready for work the next morning and school the next morning. But they stayed in their seats because he's just so freaking dynamic and fun. As, as I mean, he created must-see television. He creates must-see television every time he's on the floor. Last night they emptied the bench. The, the Warriors were at 30 or whatever it was. The game was over with about three, four minutes left. And the announcing crew said as much. You know, they pointed out the people that were out there, that there was basically scrubs. And the reason that sticks out of my mind is because when they said it, it almost opened my eyes because I was so enthralled. I was so fired up just to be watching the heater that Kaminga was on. I hadn't even noticed the the rest of the G League talent that was out there. You know, it might as well have been a playoff game because I was just as entertained to see what this guy would do next. And so, no, I think you hit it on the head, man. If, If we're using the phrase entertainment, I think he's the most fucking entertaining rookie that we have and is in the conversation for the most entertaining player on the team, which is bananas because we're talking about a team that features Steph Curry, you know, maybe the most magical player to have ever graced a basketball court. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think so for sure. Marcus, it seemed like you may have had another suggestion. I don't remember his rookie season well enough. I remember his attitude, um, which may cloud it and make it not, comparable but chris weber oh, uh chris yeah. weber was also a big his enough season with the warriors right it was yeah too soon connor <laughs> fuck yourself uh, <laughs> but you know i mean he was he was you know coming from the fab five and he was pretty good i felt like he kind of came into his exciting player role a little bit later we had um, that with play the Kings, no, you're but, right remember he did the um he dunked on barkley Remember, yeah, he, had the, he had the thing where he yeah, went, yeah. went around and, and they made a whole commercial out of it. Um, yeah, yeah. They did the whole barbershop commercial thing. So, I mean, that's that's fair. That's there. Uh, interesting. And I guess for me, it comes down to whether or not you hate Chris Weber, and I do. So I won't, even, <laughs> I won't even accept that. As Connor not so nicely pointed out, he bounced on us almost immediately. So he can have himself. Uh, but no, interesting take. Connor, phenomenal having you back, man, um, for everybody out there who needs to soak up as much Laternal as they can get. Where do they go? Uh, c- follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron. Uh, read all my stuff at sfchronicle.com. Um, I'm going to, you know, I know I left the Warriors beat before the season, but I'm still hanging around. I'm still writing a ton of Warriors, and I, my understanding is I'll be doing a good amount of Warriors through the playoffs. So um, definitely – Give me a follow and follow Ron Krojcik, too, who is uh, sharing the beat with me 
until we make a hire. So um, definitely follow him as well. You know where to find us. You want to shoot us a question for the Goldest Questions. You want to find out how we do with farts in public places or anything else. You can send that to our email address, which is at huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Let's go. You can also follow us on social media. Only one option there, Twitter. We are at Warriors Huddle. Most importantly, you want to support us. You want to watch the video. You want to uh, provide a little light to our day. Go to Patreon. Look up Warriors Huddle and you can support us for as little as $1 a month. You can also go the other direction. If you give us as much as $15 a month, you become one of our executive producers. We will love you to the day that we die, probably be in our will, and we'll shout out your name. Like the incredible people you are, let me prove it to you. Thank you to Steve, Rob, Noah, Jeff, Cheryl, and Amy. You mean the world to us, and we hope to add some names to that list. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you next week. Good, good. Okay, little girl. On the count of three, we're going to say go Warriors to show the world that we're huge Warrior fans. Are you ready? Go Warriors! Not yet. We have to count to three. Okay, ready. One, two, three. Go Go Warriors! Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, two zero.